Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, you carry, have an experiential travel conversation, if you will. More about the experiences, what was learned, what was felt, how you're a different person because of travel versus the, I went here, this is how I did it. So, welcome back. If you've been here before, if you're new, stick around. So, um, this week, pref- uh, pause, guys, promise, I have guests. I, they, everybody is just booked for a little bit further out. So bear with the kid as I continue to consistently bring you travel content in the middle of a pan fucking demic. So, um, yeah, I haven't done any remote episodes since last year which honestly really ain't been that far away. It's the second year, the second year of the month, right? It's the second month of the year. That being said, lots of stuff in the works, but you know, baby steps, we're getting there. I'm working on really um, developing a couple of really, really good episodes in the future. Well, I don't, I don't want to say it like that as if the episodes I am giving y'all ain't good, but I've got some really, um, really exciting shit in the uh, pipeline if you will. So this week though, I found quite a few articles, a bunch of resources that really kind of got me thinking, what all am I willing to deal with in whatever this new travel world looks like, right? At some point, we're going to be able to travel more comfortably. This current juncture, I'm not traveling because my job has a lot of pretty um, strict regulations on where I can go, how long I can go, and what my quarantine period is. And most people at this point, not and by people, I mean most countries, states, have the 14-day quarantine in place. I currently haven't gotten a vaccine. I have no intentions of actually getting a vaccine anytime soon. Um, I believe in vaccines. I believe in the science of vaccines. I just don't have any particular reason other than, um, you know, mm, no, that's not the best way to put it. I'm just still hesitant. That is my personal standpoint. You do what you want with your body. And I would absolutely and 100% support you in that decision. I'm just not ready to get it yet for myself. Um, That being said, I am not going anywhere, not for a minute. And I'm relatively okay with that. I'd prefer to be able to go, but at the same time, my work work life is pretty quiet. So I would like to, um, I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that. So that being said, I'm not going anywhere right now, but I have been doing quite a bit of thinking of or on what the future of travel may potentially bring and in terms of what all I'm willing to deal with. So outside of vaccine talk, one of the, I'm acting like I don't have notes. I'm getting better at that, y'all. One of the things is this email I just got from JetBlue. So nothing too crazy. However, 
they have a plan to go from three fair tiers to five fair tiers. So they kind of have, I want to say it's uh blue, blue basic, blue, and like blue plus or some shit like that. But essentially they're going to, I actually have it open. They are going from... Oh, wait, it expired. I think it was whatever the three were, they're moving to the five. They're going to blue basic, blue, blue plus, blue extra, then blue mint. I don't have none of that. I'm basically basic. I'm okay with that. Actually, JetBlue is actually one of my uh, favorite airlines, and it's mostly because of the company culture. I kind of like the quirky thing. I like that they allow their employees to have tattoos, piercings, Feel like I've seen some colored hair, really funky hairstyles. I'm with the shits, right? But initially I was a little standoffish about it because it's like, y'all, I feel like y'all are making this wildly confusing, all these different tiers. And this the big change is that the blue basic fare, like that first step to buying your ticket, the cheapest ticket basically that you're gonna get, does not allow for a carry-on bag. You still are allowed to have your personal item that you can put under the uh, seat in front of you, but you cannot bring the carry-on. I am absolutely a carry-on girl. So for me, that's a little bit problematic for getting like the cheapest price. But according to the email, they're doing that to keep up with uh, competitive airline practices, such as those offered by Spirit. And if any of you have traveled in Europe, I want to say Via, EasyJet, those are the two that come to mind first, but there are a bunch of different airlines that you can really get like $12 flights in Europe, but you can't have a carry-on. It's basically bring your backpack, bring your purse, your tote, whatever it is. And if it can't fit under the seat, that's not, you'd have to pay for your luggage, right? So business standpoint, pragmatic thinking, I, I get it. You want to compete. So you're going to, and also not everybody really needs to bring anything. Some people are going on a weekend trip. And for some people, a weekend trip really is one pair of jeans, two shirts, three pairs of drawers and a bathing suit. You can put that in your backpack, right? You can even layer all that shit up if you really wanted to, but not everybody has to pack a bunch of stuff. I always want to have a carry on. But I, I understand that business transition that you want to be able to offer competitive options. And I think it's a good idea just because not everybody travels like me, right? So that being said, I, I can't tell the future. I know one or two of you may have thought that I could, but the kid can't. But since I, you know, don't really know exactly what to expect of what those changes are going to actually look like for, um, in cost differences. The one thing that I did look up was I can't even guarantee that it's going to be the same once those price changes go into effect, because the prices I'm seeing now, it still has only those three tiers. So it's not showing you what that, uh, cost for the no bag flight is going to be, which is it is what it is. Oh, uh, the date for that change is through 3 21 So all fares will still enjoy no charge 
no change or cancel fees through uh March 31st of this year. After that change or canceling your plans, uh will uh, will go and getting a handle on carry-on starting on July 20th of this year, 2021. Our new carry-on bag policy will guarantee overhead bin space to those traveling on Blue, Blue Extra, or Mint Fair or who book an even more space seat on domestic flights within the U.S. Oh, or you get a $25 uh, travel bank credit. So let me, I'm going to try to not go on a really long rant about the overhead bin space. Woosa, if mother freaking folks would be considerate of other people, there would be a much greater chance that the majority of us could get our bags in those overhead bins, right? If you would stop putting computer bags, um, backpacks, purses, jackets, duty-free items in there that can absolutely go under your seat, we wouldn't be as strapped for overhead bin space, now would we? Granted, it's not to say if you've got three of those things, a backpack, a jacket, and say a bag from Duty Free that we're expecting that, well, no, actually, I can fit all that under my seat. I'm also very fucking small, so I get that not everybody is able to sacrifice that legroom space, but be fucking reasonable about your shit. Don't throw your uh, bubble coat on top of the, the bin if you, you know, aren't going to squish it on top of somebody else's bag. I really think that it, that's one of the things that drives me fucking insane is watching people do the most asinine things, move it, fashion it so that somebody else can put something in there. I'm not above moving somebody else's shit over. If you want to do it, by all means, bitch, get the fuck up and move it out my way. Other than that, your shit's moving. We all going to have space, especially since we all paid for our seat. We all paid for the, we all paid to get here. So there's no reason why there is a reason why if everybody on that plane, if every last one of those seats had an overhead bag, I could see how that might work, but that's not what happens. That being said, I think that was a reasonably short rant. That being said, I can see for people that would be willing to spend maybe the extra, because I think the last flight that I looked up to see if I could find the difference was a flight from New York to Puerto Rico. The flights are relatively cheap. It was, I think the cheapest one I saw was on like a Monday. I looked for Monday of mm, second week of March, I think, first or second week of March, just because that's the first thing that I grabbed. Uh, One of the cheaper flights that I found was $80. There was another one for about 120 and then the um, middle tier was like 140 or some shit like that. So the price difference at this point that I could tell isn't that great, but I still am not certain how much they charge. I don't know what the um, overhead bag, I don't know if there's going to be a fee that you'd have to pay if you wanted to bring an overhead bag or if they just completely restrict it or... If you just have to upgrade, to, I'm, I'm assuming that you have to just upgrade to that um, that fair class for you to bring the uh, carry-on. That being said, I can't expect that JetBlue is going to be the only airline to do that. And although I think that it opens up space for competition amongst um, Spirit and you know airlines of the like, I don't know 
if making, I don't want to say making things more complicated, but a lot of fucking options can really, you know, in my opinion, in my experience of travel, too many options is a bit of a deterrent. I don't know if this is really going to democratize travel or if it's going to make it more of an elite, you know, experience. It sounds like it's going to democratize it just because you're able to offer cheaper fl- uh, che- cheaper fares, right? But for the person that's not going on an overnight trip or a weekend trip or, you know, from or just doing something short, or if you're just going from say, uh, one property to another where you have all your shit. But if that's the case, do you really need like that really, really cheap flight? It's nice to have, but you know what I mean? Work trips, maybe that might be a thing. If you're doing a short, a short work trip, maybe that's attractive to you. I don't know. I've never flown spirit. It's never been, um, anything that looked interesting or, um, appealing to me because I've heard more than my fair share of horror stories. I've never flown them. So I can't say that I've had personally a bad experience. I'm not going to say they're a bad airline, but haven't really heard good things. So I am a little worried about how this is going to look once more airlines start doing it and really just making it. I just know that if I see something as available as $120, and then I see the next flight option is like 216. And that 216 fare includes a check bag. I don't know that it's going to be that much of a distinguishable difference in the price. And I guess like it doesn't really make sense to stress about it, but I'm in a, it's been a stressful couple of days for me. So I guess I'm just overstressing things that aren't really happening yet. But that's something to consider, something to look forward to. You're either going to have that option of having spirit prices on an airline that you may trust a little bit more to get you there in one piece. Not that spirit isn't going to get you there in one piece, but you may trust an airline to offer better amenities on the plane. Cause once you get on the plane, it's not like they say, Oh, Hey girl. So you don't have the fancy seat. You can't get this bag of popcorns, right? That kind of thing isn't going to happen. God, I hope that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, I, I guess they're going to be more changes. Not I guess, I'm certain they're going to be more changes in airlines to recoup those costs. And that's one of the things that without knowing what everyone is going to do to recoup those costs, what does that look like for us? I don't make wild money. You know, travel is absolutely a luxury for the majority of us. And for some people, travel is a necessity. Not everybody travels for, you know, fun in the sun, relaxation. People are actually traveling to check on sick family members. People are traveling for death and families. People are traveling for a million other reasons other than, you know, going and taking fly pics for the gram. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but travel isn't always a luxury experience. It isn't always an... um I don't want to say exciting, but it's not always an experience that people are looking forward to based on whatever their reason for going there is. If you are traveling with a child to get a child from one parent to another or to visit family members or for whatever reasons you have to have your child on a plane, you know, it's a possibility that you 
you could buy yourself the basic fare if you're just going to drop your kid off and then come back, right? That's another way that you could look at it being as a good option. Trying to give y'all some straws to pull from. But my only concern is that once this pandemic starts to give us a little bit more breathing space and we are seeing more people looking to travel for luxury at a necessity, uh, other, I mean, rather than, excuse me, rather than necessity, I'm worried about how they're going to try to recoup these losses. I don't want to be nickeled and dimed because they went through a year and change or a year, however long, you know, normal takes to resume itself. I don't want to pay for that in my next airfare. So I am seeing some things. Middle seat ain't the only thing that we have to, you know, look at in terms of flight considerations. I am absolutely expecting there to be a a couple of different things that are going to come down the line for us to be pissed off about. Uh, What was the other thing? Insurance. Insurance requirements. So let me find the date it was. As of... Looking it up. Starting next month, this was actually, shout out to Travel and Leisure. I've found a lot of really easily digestible and what's the word I'm looking for? Pertinent information, if you will, on travel. A lot of sites will have real campy shit, just like, oh, I I guess somebody's interested in it, but I've found a lot of shit that I'm personally interested in on Travel and Leisure. And um, as of October 27th, 2020, Jamaica will start charging all travelers a health insurance fee next month. So this actually has been in effect for a while, but they're doing a $40 fee and it was to basically give public-private is how they have it, insurance that will cover travelers against illness, including COVID-19 and natural natural disasters while visiting Jamaica. And it will cover the cost of case management, transport logistics, field and, uh, no, field rescue, evacuation, and repatriation for medical emergencies up to $50,000 while on the island and $100,000 while traveling. I think I actually may look into getting my eyes checked because the kid is doing some wild squinting right now. They've partnered with a couple of different insurance um, companies and they're basically giving, well, not giving, but they're asking travelers to pay the $40 fee so that they will in turn be covered should something um, happen to them. And I haven't heard anything recently in terms of in 2021 about this. I haven't found a more up-to-date article as of yet, but... Personally, I think that this one is a really good idea. The only catch is it works for me because for me, $40 isn't a huge expense. But if you are going for um, a visit to family or if you already have a job that allows you um, to be covered on your insurance wherever you are in the world, or if you've already purchased an insurance package from you know another carrier that actually covers you in another country, I don't know if this... fee is um, negligible or not. So 
that's absolutely something that you should look into if you're going there. But I can absolutely see this being something that other countries will implement. I'm certain out of the almost 200 countries that there are in the world that Jamaica is not the only one. I haven't found any information about it. Can't say I did that much digging either. Ain't even gonna hold you. But I actually think it's a fucking good idea. And I personally would love to pay anybody's country $40, $50 or less. I would absolutely prefer less. But I would love to be able to pay a country to cover my insurance needs or to provide me insurance to cover any medical needs should they arise while I'm traveling. I generally buy a, and I'd say generally within the last two or three trips that I've taken. I went on a trip to Guadalupe that I bought insurance for. And prior to that, I want to say that I was in uh, Tel Aviv and someplace else. I don't remember. Um, It was someplace else in Europe. I think that I bought insurance for those last couple of trips. I know I absolutely bought an insurance from uh, Guadalupe and I think that I use Alliance for the insurance. It was relatively inexpensive. I absolutely promise you that I didn't spend more than a hundred dollars and I'm pretty certain. And by pretty certain, I mean about I'd say 80% sure that it wasn't more than like $50, $60. That being said, I like the idea of knowing that God forbid something happens to me. Like my previous guest, Cassie, shout out to Cassie. If I get into a, um, I won't be on my own motorbike, but if I get into like a motorbike accident, if I fall down a flight of stairs, if I, you know, uh, twist my ankle, you know, to sprain a finger or, you know, bust a lip or need stitches of some, for some reason, I would like to know that I won't have to pay for, um, I won't have to pay a $5,000 hospital bill. I would like to know that I won't have to pay a hospital bill even more than $5,000. I would like to know that I could walk into or be brought into a, uh, medical facility whether it be a hospital, um, what do you call the things, uh, a clinic or someplace and actually receive care because I'm covered. I don't want to have that money conversation. I want you to take whatever traveler card or stamp or paper I got to show you that says that I'm covered. I paid my little travel payment for insurance and I'm good. So I would love to see if more company, if more countries did that. But again, I don't know if there is a caveat that says if you've already got a travel insurance plan that will cover you in that country, if you can, um, if you would be exempt from paying that fee, that I don't know. But um, if you're not someone that is planning to always take a bunch of trips, or if you don't know what types of trips you're going to taking, it may not necessarily be the first thought in your mind to get an insurance coverage plan that covers you for the entire year, wherever you're going to go. So I can see, especially with COVID still lingering in different places, that this might be something that a couple different countries will absolutely um, take up. And I hope that they do. I hope they do. Another one of the things that I came across was a reminder, and here's a reminder for you, Americans, because shout out to Japan. Some of y'all out there are listening. Appreciate y'all. A couple of different countries popped up. I was actually looking at the analytics and 
The kid was very surprised. But for Americans, real ID requirements as of October 1st of 2021, you're going to need a real ID to travel domestically. Real ID, or I believe a passport will work, but if your passport needs to be renewed, get on that. Mine actually uh, expires soon, so I should abs- I'm going to look into it. I keep saying absolutely. Y'all, I'm, it's, it's a little late, so bear with me. But Real ID, October 1st, 2021, you're going to need that to have, you're going to have to have that taken care of. The DMV is still a DMV, and this is going to be the DMV in the middle of a pandemic. So if you are consider, if, even if you're not thinking of traveling and mind you, I don't, I'm pretty certain this isn't for uh ground travel, land travel. If you're driving, there are no borders from New York other than tolls. There's no borders that you're going to have to cross to get any of the states. So that's not what we're talking about. If you're flying, you'll no longer be able to just show your driver's license or your state ID to border an international, uh, a domestic flight, you're going to have to show a real ID. So if you haven't got one of those yet, me, look into it now. This way, you don't have to um, be worried about getting it done expeditiously should you have an emergency come up that you need to take care of. This is still a fucking pandemic. Families, you know, lose family members. God forbid you need to travel for a funeral. Or what if, you know, you end up with a better job opportunity where you get a job offer and they tell you that you have to interview for some odd reason in another state. I don't know. I'm pulling, pulling hairs here and just reasons that you could, you know, um, emergency necessity travel. If someone gets sick and you need to go out there to, uh, be a caregiver, you really never know what can come up short term that you would need to get from one state to another very quickly. Right. Real ID is going to be necessary before the end of the year. So look into that before it becomes something that you have to pay extra to get expedited or something that you end up not being able to complete because you don't have the necessary uh, pieces of information to get you from point A to point B. Also, we've already heard in um, the wake of this new administration that it's possible negative COVID tests will be necessary to travel domestically as well. Plenty of countries already require them. I think the I'm certain the majority of countries are requiring them right now, but we all know that there are some spots that you can get to that you don't need it for. Um, I also just heard that Canada is requiring a negative COVID return, even if a negative test for Canadians because the American land border is still closed. But if you're um, flying back home to Canada, if you're traveling land border, excuse me, if you are coming, if you're driving back to Canada, even as a Canadian, you're now going to be requiring a, they're going to require you to have a negative test as well. Don't remember what that date for that was, but it was relatively soon. Um, But if a negative test is going to be required to do domestic flights, it's also something that you'd have to consider. Last minute trips or last minute uh, moves from point A to point B may not be as easily facilitated if you have to make sure that you get a COVID test as well. 
I personally am on board for that. I don't think anybody should really be able to expose themselves in that greater capacity to so many other people without, especially for that potentially long of a trip. We all know that you don't just, even if um, your flight should take an hour and 24 minutes to get to your destination, we all know you're on the plane for longer than that. Between taxiing, waiting for everybody to get on the plane, waiting for everybody to get off the plane, waiting for whatever shit that you end up waiting for while you're on a damn plane. You're on the plane longer than what your actual flight time is. So I absolutely believe that anybody that is going to be in that close a um, space to other people, middle aisle, uh, blocked or not, I personally would feel more comfortable knowing that everybody on that little metal box in the sky with me has, you know, tested negative within the last 72 hours. Because even, we all know that at this point that that's not even a guarantee. It's just a little, you know, safety measure, a little safety cushion that we put in place so that we can do our best efforts to keep everyone safe. So I personally hope that they do require a negative test for people to get on a plane. Um, the next thing that I came across was there are cruise lines that are requiring passengers to vaccine. So I only came across three of them so far, Saga Cruises, American Queen Steamboat Company, and Victory Cruise Lines. Now the latter of the three, uh, American Queen and Victory Cruise Lines, they are, well, Victory Cruise Lines is known for cruises along the Great Lakes. And as far as Alaska and Mexico, well, the American Queen Steamboat Company sails up and down several iconic rivers, including including the Mississippi River. So those are more those are smaller cruises, cruises more I guess local cruises, except for that Canadian and Mexican option. But it's not a uh, Norwegian or um, I never been on a cruise y'all, so I can't really Royal Caribbean like those larger cruise lines. They haven't so far noted that they are requiring passengers to vaccinate prior to boarding. However, Royal Caribbean has noted that they are likely to require their staff to vaccinate. So, hmm, cruises. I've never been on one, not exactly. I mean, it's on my travel list just because there's really not too much of any variation of travel that I'm not curious to try. Um, except for like medical tourism, I don't think I'd want to get anything done medically. So I don't think that that segment of travel is in my, uh, fanny pack of things to want to fuck with, but cruises are absolutely luxury. You're not going on a cruise to, you know, meet up with someone that absolutely needs you. There's nothing about a cruise that is necessary. It's completely optional and of, you know, your own free choice, right? So I wouldn't be against a mandatory vaccine to do that. A mandatory vaccine to travel, however, and by travel, I mean uh, to fly, not exactly, uh, not excited about that. I haven't heard that that's gonna happen, but I would hope that that doesn't happen. I mean, if there was some place that I absolutely wanted to go and the only way I could go 
was if I had a COVID vaccine. I can't say that I wouldn't get one. But at this current juncture, I'm going to hold out a little bit longer. Just a little bit. But for Cruz, I guess it's easier for me to say, fuck them, let them get vaccinated, vaccinated because I have no desire to be on one. So I'm out the pool, right? But I think that because of the nature of what a cruise is, it's absolutely a luxury. It's like going to the movies. You don't ever have to go to the movies. You've got a plethora of other options at your disposal in terms of entertainment and travel. So you choosing to do that, if that's what you really want to do, you know, I can see that being a thing. There are plenty of people that may be standoffish about getting a vaccine, whether it be for health reasons um, or whatever reason you feel valid for making, you know, or being the impetus for whatever your decision is, that's your thing. You shouldn't be forced one way or the other. To, you shouldn't be forced to decide one thing or an uh, or another outside of what is what you decide to be best for you. But for cruises, I'm all for that. Now, in terms of the staff having to be vaccinated, that's where it gets a little tricky. Something about the idea of someone being forced to put something in their body that they may not be comfortable with putting in to keep their job makes me uncomfortable. I understand that it is something that is going to keep other people safe, but I absolutely feel that, you know, it, it's not like wearing a mask, right? Where it's just a discomfort is uh, masks aren't comfortable. Nobody really wants to walk around wearing a mask all day, right? But it doesn't potentially put you at a greater risk of anything other than if you have uh, breathing issues. I could see how wearing a mask is, you know, really difficult for people with asthma or uh, issues with uh, lung issues and breathing and all that kind of shit, right? But I... I don't like the idea of forcing people to do something that may, that's more permanent, right? Once it's in your body, you can't take it out. You can opt to, you know, do a few other things that will potentially keep you and other people safe if you're uncomfortable, if you're unable to keep your mask on for like extended period of times, right? Like, I don't know if there are any jobs or particular jobs that may be able to give you modified work if you absolutely have like a medical reason as to why you can't wear a mask. But consider this, if you had someone come into a tight space that you were in and they weren't wearing a mask and their reason for not wearing a mask was something like, you know, oh, well, I have asthma or um, I have COPD or those are the only two breathing things that I can come up with at this point. But if they had some type of, um, you know, medical reason that they tried to tell you why they couldn't wear a mask, how comfortable would you still being around them? Regardless of what their medical concern is, you're, they're now placing you at risk for a strong medical concern as well. So it's within that, you know, compassion that you want to show other people, it's, it's kind of like a one-way street, right? Like you can't show that much compassion to somebody in the fashion of it also being potentially detrimental to you and to the, all the people that are in your household, because who's wearing a mask in the house, right? So 
Yeah, the idea of forcing people to mask up doesn't bother me at all. But the idea of forcing people to put something in their body that they're uncomfortable with, I don't really like. So I personally don't know if I would want to patronize um, an establishment that was forcing, well, not, I don't want to say forcing because I don't, I doubt that they're going to use that verbiage is what they're, I doubt that that's what they're going to say when they do it. Well, shit, they might because these folks here are talking about requiring it, right? That's forcing people. I don't know how I personally would feel if I knew I was supporting an agency that was possibly forcing people to choose between their job and something that they felt strongly um, about. Now, I don't think that it is a, I think that's more of like a 60-40 thing. I'd feel 40% bad because I'm thinking of places like, imagine restaurants, right? Restaurants, I can see them wanting to have their employees fully vaccinated so that it can be a sell, right? To tell or attract customers. Our staff is completely vaccinated. Come dine in, uh, dine in peace or dine with more security or shop with more security or be groomed with more security. You know what I mean? I can see a bunch of different um, industries requiring their employees to vaccinate in order to sell themselves to the public as a, a more safe option. I'm not a hundred percent against it. However, this is all still new, right? We're all still working out what it's like to live through a pandemic. And I think that there are quite a few different levels and tiers to the morality of a lot of it that some of us are working through. I know I personally am now considering how I want to, like, is that something that you want to look into, right? Like with the fuck shit that 2020 was in terms of diversity and inclusion, that's one of the phrases that I'm so tired of hearing because we know that that's not really what's happening. Your diversity training in the workplace is absolute shit. For those of us that are employed, if you've sat through a sexual harassment training, how many of you had, like, we all have, we all work in places where we've had to sit through sexual harassment training, yet and still, people fuck it up. People make all types of inappropriate comments and jokes and there's so many things that are absolutely considered sexual harassment that happen. Everybody just shakes off, laughs off because in some instances it's really not that offensive. It's funny. You're in the conversation with people, but you forget that sexual harassment is also just other people hearing what's going on and being offended. Right? So it's kind of like, we know that that training does nothing. So what do we think diversity and inclusion training is actually doing? Most places already have that in place and it's not doing any fucking good. That being said, the morality of choosing or not choosing, um, spending more with, spending less with companies based on what their COVID protocols is now something that, that we are able to consider in our purchasing power. I've never really thought of, you know, well, that's a, not the way I want to phrase it. There are so many reasons to consider or 
dismiss a destination and now you're adding COVID to that list, right? When you decide to travel, are you considering that you may be putting the healthcare system that you're visiting in a precarious situation or uh, straining their healthcare situation, the um, system, excuse me, should you unfortunately get sick, right? A lot of countries are struggling to care for their own citizens. And you as a traveler, if you get sick, I'm hoping that they're not going to just dismiss you and let you just be sick on the island or send you home. Well, can't get back in the United States if you end up getting COVID. But that being said, are you now looking into traveling to destinations when that becomes more available, depending on where it is you're looking to go? Are you looking to travel to destinations that have, you know, COVID protocols in place like, uh, Jamaica possibly that is covering you for COVID as a traveler. There is a fund in place that absolves your uh, financial responsibility to those medical bills because you've put your money into that insurance pot, right? This is now another thing to add on to the different realms and pockets of information that we look up and Google and search into when deciding where to go. You also can consider that when you're going someplace that's got a high COVID number, are you putting the people back at your house at risk? Because everybody's got their idea of I'm traveling safe or I'm doing my best, but we all know everybody's best ain't the same. And on top of that, you can do your absolute best and still fail. You know, you can, how many tests have we all done our best on and still fucking fucked up? Um, I did not expect for this pandemic to really place so many different moral dilemmas on my conscience, uh, just in terms of, you know, our interactions with people in public, with wanting to see friends and family, wanting to, you know, be in spaces that we technically shouldn't be in because of the measures that are in place to keep all of us safe, but we're people, we're humans, we are a social society. So the idea of giving grace to people in this space of confusion that we've all been in in this past year is absolutely something that I did not see coming. The the judging of people that are going places, the judging of people that are staying home, it's a... It's an entire experience that I never thought of outside of the, you know, travel shames in the realm of, you know, how people say, uh, oh, black folks always go to Atlanta and Miami. How about get a passport and go someplace else? Or you spending all this money on Jordans and new iPhones, but do you have a passport? It's like that whole, um, you in the middle of a pandemic, if you don't come out with an LLC, a business and, you know, a 401k with $50 billion in it, you wasted your pandemic. Everybody's got, a uh, everybody's got a, an opinion. Everybody's got some kind of idea as to what somebody else should be doing in a really stressful time. I don't want to say like the most stressful time, but imagine your life before this and all the stress that you had going on. And now add a global pandemic on top of that. So like, that's what everybody's dealing with at this point. So there are a lot of different 
curveballs that have been thrown into this that I didn't fucking expect. And I can say that even months into this, I didn't see myself being this, um, I guess, morally torn with so many travel decisions. But let's see, what else did I have on here? Oh, there was also a really, um, what I like about the travel and leisure setup is once you finish one article at the bottom, it gives you like a shit ton of other options. There are so many different countries that are allowing vaccinated peoples to avoid doing their quarantines. There are countries that are opening up their borders. South Africa is opening their border within, you know, limitations. There are still restrictions. So if you are going to travel, if you're looking to travel, you have to make sure that you're doing your part to stay up to date with all of the updated information. And also realize that just because you book your shit and you're ready to go, doesn't mean that things aren't still changing. You can book something for a month in advance, but make sure you have the good sense to follow up within that month and before your flight to make sure that you have everything in place. Don't sit, don't get to the airport and then get fucked up and get turned around because you're, I had a friend, she had her flight booked. I forgot where she was going. And she ended up having to re change her flight, change it to, I don't know when she changed it to, but she couldn't leave because the test, the COVID test that she had gotten for her flight was the wrong one. And that's not cheap in every instance. That's not convenient in every instance. Consider that your accommodations are already booked. You already paid for the taxi or you already had your ride drop you at the airport. Now you at the airport and you gotta get back home. You gotta wait for your ride to come get you or you gotta get another Uber. There's so many different things that are going to be a, a chink in the metal, if you will, that will just make your shit. Don't stress yourself where you don't need to have the stress. Do all that extra um, digging around and investigating all the way up to your trip if you are deciding to go. I've heard a couple of different stories of people getting kind of caught up out there at the last minute. So it's, it's a lot to consider right now, but make sure you're doing your due diligence. All right, y'all. So that's all I got for you this week. Period. That's the episode. So it's a lot. It's still a lot. We're almost a year into this. We're almost a year into this. And I can't say more than I'm proud of us so far. Some of us have been kind of shit, but some of us have not. And for those of us that have not, I'm proud of you. And consider, not consider, but hold tight to travel is more than vacation. You can do so much with so little if you open your mind. You don't have to go far. You can stay nearby and still be traveling. So while you've got all of these moral dilemmas on your heart, while you're worrying about whether or not your flight is going to include checked baggage, whether or not you're worried about your quarantine period, whether or not you're worried about having to get a vaccine to do this trip or to not, always know that you have more to 
your you have more at your disposal than just the idea of what a vacation is. You've got the actual experience that travel brings you. You have the growth that you're able to experience after traveling someplace. So even though you may not be able to do it as big as you would want to, keep the goal in mind. Keep that growth is what it is that you're trying to do. Enjoyment, relaxation, being able to detach from the stresses that you're currently experiencing and giving yourself a new vantage point or a new um, surrounding to reevaluate a lot of the things that are currently going on with your life. It doesn't have to be far. You can do that in the next town over. So while there's so much on your mind, while there are a lot of things that you may think are holding you back from going places, keep in mind that those don't have to be deterrents to what the overall really beautiful uh, gain of travel is and that it's you, you get to grow. So you may not be able to do it the way you want to, but consider that you can absolutely have those same advantages while doing it within the comfort zone. All right, guys, so be sure to check out the show description because I'm going to, not the show description, the episode notes because I'm going to include the links to those uh, couple of, epi- not episodes, couple of articles that I told you I was looking into. And I will see y'all next week. Bye, y'all.